now 10 and 2 in your last uh, 12 games. What what do you attribute the ascent of this program to? Yeah, I did not know that stat. That sounds good though. 10 and 2. That's my agent over there. You can take over for him. Players do the right thing, and we use uh, playing time and opportunities in football to try to get them to do the right thing personally and academically. So um, that's basically all I got to say about that. Coach, that's all But you guys are really good about taking role. I, I will say that. I mean, um, our team fighting plays the way they do because they believe in, in uh, what we're doing and who we are. Um, they believe that you know we had an opportunity to come here and, and win a football game. That's uh, the way that they played for, for three quarters. Didn't have enough in the fourth quarter to, to go get it done. Welcome in the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Mike Brenton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And we got a great show lined up here to start the week strong. Got a special podcast here. You know, we teased it all last week. Finally was able to pull it off here in person podcast. The first we've ever done here on the show was able to go downtown Nashville right near Bridgestone Arena where the uh, women's basketball tournament just was. Congrats to uh, Kentucky. They beat South Carolina to win the women's tournament there. But my buddy Michael Katz from the DJ Journal Covers Ole Miss. He was down there covering the Rebels and Mississippi State as they tried to win the SEC Women's Basketball Tournament. So he's coming in studio. A really, really great conversation with Michael Katz. We're going to throw that on the tail end of the episode, but I think you guys are going to love it and hope to do a lot more of these. I mean, this is going to try to be something we do anytime there's a big event in Nashville or anytime one of the, uh, you know, We've had a lot of guests on the show multiple times. Anytime I get someone to come down to Nashville and record a podcast, I'm going to try to do it. And maybe, hey, maybe there's someone you'd want to be on the show and you know they're going to be in Nashville. Tag them. Tag me on it. Get it. Let's make it happen. This is a show. This is a collaboration. So uh, we're trying to build this thing up, and I think this is going to be the next generation of it, having more and more in-person Yes, we're going to try to do it at SEC Media Days if we get credentialed. Try to get everyone down there, everybody and their mother down there to give us in-person interviews. Cousin Shane, we're still trying to line up. One, I'm going to drive down to the Tennessee Homer's house and have a – man, that, that'll be a good one. So look forward to that. Hopefully that's coming. We're trying to line it up this week. So a lot going on, and maybe it's just spring in the air. I'm excited. Spring football across the SEC kicking off here this week. We've already got Missouri going into action. Texas A&M kicking off things here this week. So is Kentucky. We've got comments from Jimbo Fisher on this episode. We're going to get into that. But before we do, them troublemakers down in uh, the state of Mississippi, let's start things off with Mike Leach on his love of cargo shorts. Of course, Mike Leach. Loves cargo shorts. It wouldn't have it any. I cannot imagine Mike Leach and Jim Shorts here. Uh, this was a pretty funny clip that uh, went viral here on Friday. Coach, when did you start wearing cargo shorts? Um, I'll tell you, I started wearing cargo shorts uh, shortly into coaching. Um, I've always liked uh, uh, the canvas first. Uh, so when I the very first time I got into coaching, everybody was wearing those bike double knit uh, shorts that had uh, basically a waistband this thick, and they're just terrible. I mean, they're the worst <laughs> shorts ever, and they, they, they've gone on for decades. Um, my whole time growing up, that's what our coaches would wear. Went on for decades, they're just terrible. They're hot, uh, had this kind of girdle-style belt, um, you know, that buttoned up at the top, and I couldn't stand them. Um, and then I started out, I'd wear either Billabong or Rusty, um, you know, surf shorts that had pockets, because that was the biggest point was pockets. And then cargo shorts came out, um, <clears throat> which meant extra pockets. And I actually liked a little shorter short than uh, cargo shorts, because, I mean, there's some of these cargo shorts 
uh, looked like half a pair of pants, <laughs> but I had the pockets, the pockets was the key, and then, uh, so I like uh, cotton, 100% cotton in the pockets, and um, uh, so, yeah, that's what's, the, that's what's key to coaching shorts. What do you usually put in the pockets in the shorts? Um, first would be my wallet, my headphones, any change. Um, then uh, anything basically that I need. Okay, so then will be my um, my script, uh, my pen, uh, you, you know, for the practice schedule, script pen, practice schedule, sometimes sunglasses, depending if I'm wearing them or if I'm not, um, but also put like small lunch items in there, like uh, apples, uh, you know, cargo shorts, you can stick a sandwich in there, and I've done that too. Uh, but anything you need to take out there on the practice field, you got it. And then if you got some <clears throat> bigger, clunkier sheets of paper, even a small notebook, you can uh, put it there in the side pocket. <laughs> well, hopefully they've taught him down there in Starkville, though you cannot wear shorts to a football game. Dan Mullen knows all about that. He knows all too well. But staying in the state, more serious news, but still trolling Lane Kiffin, that's what he does better than anybody else in the SEC. We're going to get to his troll in just a second, but if you missed it, the NCAA Rules Committee have, has made a determination on the fake injuries. And, you know, we love to point the finger at Ole Miss. I, I've seen the Feigning Goats logo out there for Ole Miss all off season. Lane Kiffin's program, certainly the chief uh, – Rule, well, it's not a rule. It's not against the rules, so they're not breaking the rules. But, uh, you know, certainly you go back and watch a lot of Ole Miss football games, a lot of players going down and right back in the lineup. <laughs> Literally uh, uh, the next snap or two. Uh, but it's not just Ole Miss. So, I, you know, I know their fans get pissed off. Tennessee does it. A, a, lot, a lot of these programs do it. But if you missed it, the NCAA Rules Committee has said there's not going to be a penalty at this point for any faking of, of injuries. And that the main reason is, you know, you, it's impossible to really tell who's faking it. I mean, it may look obvious on the TV broadcast, but a lot of times these referees don't have the ability to go back and look at that unless they're going to review every damn injury in the game of football, which I don't think we want doing. And the main concern they cited, Steve Shaw, who used to be the SEC head of officials, now he's the NCAA head of officials. They just don't want injured players staying in the game because they're afraid that if they get hurt, they have to sit out the series. They think that's going to lead to injured players staying on the field, which is kind of ironic because we're trying to stop fake injuries. So now he now they're concerned that uh, you know real injuries won't be detected or or at least you know, could become even worse because they won't come off the field. I don't know. This is a tough one. But I should note this is an NCAA decision. The SEC can still make its own ruling, can make their own decisions. They can still punish coaches for fake injuries. So we'll see what comes of that in the SEC this offseason. There's still another coaches meeting. Uh, there's the, the league meetings in Destin before we get to SEC media days. And this will remain on the agenda considering how many SEC coaches were calling this out last season during their press conferences and whatnot, several. And particularly after playing Ole Miss, many of them, Sam Pittman, Josh Heupel, have uh, you know called this stuff out. So we'll see where this goes. I don't think it's the end of the story here in the SEC, but it's just a, it's a tricky one because like Steve Shaw says here, how do you enforce a fake injury? I think the only way is to kind of go back and, and view the tape and see who's kind of fallen down and then they come right back in. That's something that's a lot easier to review. And then the, the next day, kind of like they do the officiating, they, they get back to the officials. There's not real many penalties. They, they stop officials from calling games. That's about the only penalty they can give them. But maybe uh, we see a, a suspension or a fine or something from these coaches. Maybe that'll stop it. But – at the end of the day, uh, that's just speculation, but I just wanted to make that note. And then following that ruling, of course, why am I talking about Lane Kiffin when this all came up? I mean, he knows, he knows this is about him. Lane Kiffin tweeting out, 
a headline saying the NCAA is not going to penalize fake injuries. And who did Lane Kiffin tag on the post? Tennessee football. That's it. So I just thought that was hilarious. But that's Lane Kiffin trolling like he always does. Uh, I mean, he is the master troll in the SEC. And I don't know that we'll ever have another troll, bigger troll than Lane Kiffin here in the SEC. Hey, but moving on with the show. Hey, this happened right before we hopped on. Glad I decided to record late. I'm a procrastinator, clearly. But LSU making waves here. Added Arizona State quarterback, Jaden Daniels, the quarterback. So now LSU was going to go into spring with uh, three quarterbacks. Now they got four. And, of course, when Brian Kelly got there, he convinced Miles Brennan to pull his name out of the transfer portal, stay at LSU, compete for this starting job. Most people assumed it was going to be Miles Brennan. Now it still could be, but now you're adding Jaden Daniels, who started, I think it's something like 25 games for Arizona State. During uh, the corona year, they only had, I think, four games. It's wacky how they did it out there in the Pac-12. They didn't really have football, but true freshman season, the guy lit it up. This is the same guy that took a visit to Missouri, and there was – you know, speculation that he had committed to Missouri. Obviously, that's false because it's it's official. Jaden Daniels has already signed with LSU. Recruitment's over. He's going to be in Baton Rouge for spring football. Now we got a four-man race here. Jaden Daniels, Miles Brennan, Garrett Nussmeyer. Those guys all have college experience. And then incoming five-star freshman Walker Howard. Now we got a four-man race here at LSU. And... You know, even Jaden Daniels at Missouri, I was kind of trying to figure out why that fit. At LSU, I'm not really seeing it. I mean, according to uh, ESPN's analytics, Jaden Daniels last season worse than Emory Jones, Adrian Martinez, and Jake Bentley. My God, I didn't even realize Jake Bentley's still in college football. I think he was down there at South Alabama. But if those players were better than Jaden Daniels last season, what's LSU really getting here? Again, they're getting a guy that uh, very touted as a freshman. A lot of uh, analysts were hyping up as a big-time draft prospect, Jaden Daniels. Now he's leaving Arizona State somewhat disgraced. If you've seen the video that was posted online, his uh, former Arizona State teammates were clearing out his locker and cussing him out and just saying what a terrible player he was. Now, I don't know the backstory. No idea. Maybe it was something personal. Maybe it was Maybe they just don't like the guy. I don't know. But that's what you're getting in LSU. And let's throw up uh, these little stats here from SEC StatCat, friend of the show. LSU fans, not big fans of Max Johnson, held on to the ball too long, took too many sacks. Jaden Daniels had a higher sack rate than Max Johnson last year, according to SEC StatCat. So it's interesting, and I still think that Miles Brennan – is going to be the starting quarterback for LSU if he sticks it out, competes with Jaden Daniels going into the debut season of the Brian Kelly era. But here's the thing. I don't necessarily blame LSU for adding Jalen Daniels either because I say, you know, I think Miles Brennan is going to be the starter. I just, I'm sticking with my Miles Brennan to be the starting quarterback with a caveat that he can stay healthy. And that's not something that he's been able to do clearly. Time and time again, he gets injured. And compounding the fact that LSU, offensive line, huge, huge concern down there in Baton Rouge. Miles Brennan, not the most mobile guy. That's the strength of Jaden Daniels' game. Very, very mobile player. But again, let's throw up these more numbers here from SEC StatCat. This is something that Nate uh, Edwards, we had on the show last week. Go back and check it out when uh, the Jaden Daniels, Missouri speculation was heating up. Something he pointed out. I mean, the guy just does not push the ball down the field. Beyond 10 yards down the field, this guy is basically non-existent uh, co- completion percentage down the field. So you're getting dinking dunks, but you're getting a runner that could get the ball out quick, I guess, behind the line of scrimmage or within 10 yards. That's what it looks like you're getting in Jaden Daniels. So, again, I'm I'm seeing some people, my God, this is a game changer. LSU just landed a quarterback. I'm pumping the brakes on that. 
clearly you'd rather have options at quarterback than none at all. We've seen, you know, that can derail your season incredibly quick. But, you know, I know LSU went into the bowl game last year, didn't have any quarterbacks. Miles Brennan was already in the transfer portal. Garrett Nussmeyer saving his red shirt. Walker Howard was not on campus yet. So they already had three guys going into spring. Now they're going to have a fourth. And how often do we see four guys really work out in college football at the quarterback position? This leads me to believe one of those guys may leave. So if you're adding Jaden Daniels for, for depth and it costs you a guy, is it really worth it? Remains to be seen. But interesting, interesting move. But again, I don't fault the coaches for doing this because Miles Brennan has not shown the ability to stay healthy. And we may need a quarterback with mobility given uh, the the transition there on the offensive line so you know this could be a good move but uh until i don't know i'm, I'm reserving judgment till we see it on the field because this guy while he again he had an outstanding freshman season sophomore season not great last season 10 interceptions 10 touchdowns i think uh, his worst completion percentage of his career last season at arizona state he's certainly trending in the wrong direction. Maybe Brian Kelly and company, Mike Denbrock, the new offensive coordinator, maybe they can turn him around. And also on the transfer front, let's kick it on down to Rocky Top real quick because the Volunteers, they picked up a commitment from Georgia Tech transfer, Wesley Walker. Now this guy's a defensive back, played extensively the last two seasons, 92 tackles, six pass breakups, two forced fumbles, in the last two seasons for the Yellow Jackets, he's a Nashville native. This is what you want to see if you're Tennessee. You got to do better in Nashville. You got to do better in the state of recruiting and in the transfer portal. If a player leaves your state, of course, Josh Heupel and company didn't recruit this guy. They weren't in Knoxville at the time. But hey, if things are not going well for these players that leave the state, you open them, you welcome them back with open arms. And, you know, I think that's going to give you some goodwill. And the defensive backfield is certainly an area of uh, Tennessee's football team that they need depth, they need playmakers. And I look for uh, Wesley Walker here to potentially plug in as a safety. They need more speed, still need some corners back there. Maybe he can play a little corner. Looks a little bit more like a safety based on everything I've seen. But, hey, Tennessee will take all the depth they can get at the defensive backfield right now. They're still hurting for bodies back there. And we saw it in the bowl game. We saw it against Kentucky comes to mind. Alabama, of course, of course, Alabama's lighting up everybody. But there were several games last year where Tennessee's speed in the defensive backfield just not up to where it needs to be to be truly competitive in the SEC. So they'll take anybody they can get with, uh, you know, experience like this, like this Wesley Walker. So looks like a nice little pickup here for the Vols. Now, last thing before we get to our interview here with Michael Katz, like I said, let's kick it down to, like I said, we're kicking off spring football here in College Station, so let's kick it on down to Jimbo Fisher. Met with the media here on Friday afternoon as things are kicking off here in a very, very highly anticipated season for the Texas A&M Aggies after signing the nation's number one recruiting class. And you're sending a lot of guys to the NFL, but you're getting quite a, quite a bit back. I mean, this should be... Most accounts, people are going to have Texas A&M competing in the SEC West this season. Most projections, number two, number three in the SEC West. If everything breaks right, maybe they dethrone Alabama. There's not going to be many people picking it, but there weren't many people picking Texas A&M to beat Alabama head-to-head last season, aside from old Brett Zerneman, of course, who nailed that prediction. But, hey, the expectations are there. You're hauling in elite classes you got the talent to get to the college football playoff you just got to put it together got to be more consistent and of course for the Aggies it starts with that quarterback position that's where they were lacking so much last season after Haynes King went down Zach Calzada just too inconsistent now it's Haynes King back fully 100% back from his injury you got Max Johnson the transfer from LSU and the five-star true freshman Connor Weigman. Here's what Jimbo had to say about the quarterback competition this spring in College Station. Jimbo, talking about quarterback position, um, you know, what do you expect to see from those guys this spring? What are you hoping to see from them? Tremendous competition. Let me tell you something. How you get to become a better player is you got competition. That's what we want at every position. You want practice. 
to be your greatest competition. Each and every day that you have to know you have to bring your A game to practice every day to make sure you have a job. And that's where your team gets better. That's how you grow as an organization. That's the culture in which you create the competition and practice, the way you practice, the intensity you practice with. I mean, of course, you want to see their leadership, I mean, their, their knowledge of the game, their decision-making, their accuracy, their toughness, their competitiveness. I mean, you know, the quarterback are so many things. But the biggest thing it's going to bring is great competitiveness, and that's what we got to get at every position if we're going to grow as a team. Now, one thing I really love about this, he talks about the competition. And i got to be honest with you, I don't know a ton yet about Connor Wagman. But, uh, you know, he's an in-state, five-star quarterback from the state of Texas. And everybody knows they do it different down there in Texas when it comes to high school football. There's no better proving ground. Uh, you know, high school is obviously a, a significant step down from the SEC. But Texas high school will get you ready for it from that quarterback position with, uh, you know, all the pressure that uh, is on these premier programs in the high school ranks. So Connor Weigman, I just don't think he's going to be ready, but I won't completely rule it out either. But who I'm really thinking about when Jimbo's talking about this competition, I mean, hell, every time we saw Max Johnson play, they always had to bring up how competitive this family was. They have a belt for ping pong, for basketball, for wrestling. They got the Johnson family which now they got uh, not only Max Johnson, but tight end Jake Johnson. And, of course, uh, we all know son of Brad Johnson, Super Bowl winning quarterback there in the NFL. Their mom, I think, was a volleyball player at uh, Florida State. I mean, this is a competitive, competitive family. So that fits in exactly with what Jimbo's talking about with the competitiveness. Max Johnson's going to bring that. And not to be outdone, Haynes King, son of a high school coach head coach i believe and if i'm not mistaken haynes king either won a state championship or at least took his team to the state championship so this is a a coach's son a kid that ain't afraid of competition i mean this is going to be arguably the the biggest one to watch this offseason in the sec when we're talking quarterback competitions max johnson haynes king certainly seems like the 12th man is putting most of their eggs in the Haynes King basket. But I have, I love Max Johnson too. I don't know if there's a wrong option here. Both guys can run the ball. I just haven't seen enough of Haynes King to really give you an evaluation on how he throws it. Max Johnson, inconsistent. But, you know, how much is that on LSU the last – it's just been a train wreck on the offensive side of the football the last two seasons when I'm talking the coaching staff – they're in Baton Rouge, so how much is that on Max Johnson? That remains to be seen. He's going to a more stable program. He could potentially break out, but, of course, so could Haynes King, who Jimbo Fisher here says is now 100% and ready for spring football. Coach, is Haynes King 100% healthy coming off that yes. injury and ready to be a part of this competition? Yes, oh, without doubt. Without doubt, he's been, he's been outstanding. Been running all season, leading everything. I mean, that group now, I'm going to tell you what, that – there's, there's, you talk about leader. Haynes has had an outstanding offspring and running, jumping, doing everything. Max Johnson's been outstanding in what he's done. And so hadn't Connor Wegman. All three of those guys, I'm really anxious to watch. I mean, you're going, you're going to get a, you're going to get a fight, man. You're going to guys comp competition's going to raise a level of play, which is very exciting for us, as you know. Definitely, you can't survive with one. But uh, I mean, those guys. Blake Bosa's done a real nice job too. But uh, those three guys have really, really excelled and 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 from day one. I mean, like we say, we, we ranked our – every off-season workout we get done, we did a, a rating system. You were playing championship football, you wear a maroon jersey, just from an effort standpoint. Effort, discipline, toughness, all the things you're doing. Not about physical ability. It has nothing to do with that. Just from all the intangibles, you make a choice about what you do. And you put, if you were average, you were white. If you were below average, you were yellow. We didn't think we could win with you. And it's just it was, it was an eye-opening thing just to where we ranked them, how their effort was, to let them know where they were. Those guys from day one put on red jerseys and never took them off. I mean, there's been a lot of guys like that. Damani, I mean, been quite uh, Anias. I can go on a bunch of them, but that whole position reminded me because right off the bat they jumped on it, man. And, and so I mean, they they're pushing each other, which is what you want. Quarterbacks' best friend, receivers, and that's another position where A and M's kind of been lacking, in my opinion. Not in overall talent, but in overall production. We've got all American tight ends coming out of College Station nearly on an annual basis these days. Probably going to have that again with all the talent they have at that position in College Station. But we need some receivers to step up outside of Anaya Smith. If you have missed the news, 
allegations of a domestic assault there in College Station. So he may not even be back, your five-star hope. Now, they got talent down here, and that's something Jimbo's about to talk about. But these guys really need to step up. That's what's been separating these Alabama teams, these LSU teams that are elite. I would even say Georgia. I know they didn't utilize those receivers quite as well as they could have under with Stetson Bennett. Of course, they utilize, uh, you know, their passing game last season was mostly to the tight ends and the running backs. But you got to have game-breaking receivers, and I'm, I'm not talking one or two. You basically got to have four or five these days in college football. A&M's got that talent. They need these guys to put it together and have big seasons if Texas A&M's going to fulfill these incredible aspirations that the, the fan base has down there in College Station. So here's Jimbo on his team's receivers heading into spring football. Hey, Jimbo, you always talk about the guys around the quarterback, right? So let's go to receiver. A lot of guys back, and you just said Chapman's not going to be there. But mm -hmm. between Anais and Jalen Preston and, oh, my God, I mean, the yeah, list but goes on, other, on I know some guys in that group I've been really excited. I mean, I think Anais has had a uh, really good offseason. I mean, he's he shown great leadership. I mean, really jumped out there and did a great job. Uh, you know, where he's doing thing. I think Moose has been very – I think Moose can be a really good player for us and keep going. Jalen's there doing a good job. He was banged up a little bit in spring, but he's, he's coming back now. Devin Price has had a really good offseason. I've been very pleased with him. Uh, I think I've been – Kenyon Jackson's done a great job. Hez is still banged up and Chapman's banged up. But uh, Kenyon Jackson and uh, has done really – I've been very pleased. I'm anxious to hope we get that size and get that going. But Yul Keith's another one. Yul Keith has jumped his quickness, his speed – and you saw some of that last year, but I think just growing in, you know, getting that feet on the ground after a year, man, it's just I, I'm very excited for him to play. And, of course, I think Evan Stewart's done an outstanding job. He's been superb in our off-season workouts. Not trying to put pressure on him and do it. I mean, he's got to go play and learn, and we got to let him grow. And he may, like I say, there ain't no age limit on those things. Been very happy with him. So it'd be some great competition out there. I'm anxious to really uh, really watch where it goes. And a couple of them walking. I'm going to tell you, Serber and Campbell, those guys all done a good job. All right, so we'll have a ton more on Texas A&M. I'm going to try to line up another guest for them this week to talk some Aggie football as they get going down there. But I've held off long enough. And again, this is our first time doing an in-person interview in the studio there in downtown Nashville. This turned out great. Michael Katz, I cannot thank him enough for all the time he gave. And we went all over, not just Ole Miss talk, but a lot of SEC talk here. I think uh, everyone's really going to appreciate how unique this interview is. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. That's Better H-E-L-P. Head on over to BetterHelp.com slash S-E-C to get 10% off your first month over at BetterHelp.com. BetterHelp.com will assess your needs and match you with a licensed professional therapist. You can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours over at BetterHelp. Mental health is something we gotta we all got to take seriously particularly in these times. I know I've had a time in my life where I needed to speak to a therapist and it really helped me get through the issues I was having. And that's how they can help you over at BetterHelp. Again, that's H-E-L-P.com and use that promo code SEC. You can find all this in the show notes. Head on over to their website and read some of the testimonials posted daily over at BetterHelp. Two million people have taken charge of their mental health with the help of experienced professionals over at BetterHelp. Once again, betterhelp.com slash SEC. If you need some help, want to speak to a therapist, you don't even have to leave your home to do it. Head on over to betterhelp.com. Use that promo code SEC for 10% off your first month. And again, you can find this link in the show notes. All right, first time we're ever doing this in studio. We've got Michael Katz from the DJ Journal, Ole Miss Insider, covers football, baseball, women's basketball, men's basketball. What else they got you doing over there at the at the DJ Journal? Uh, Mississippi State this week. There you go. And that was it. Was very weird tweeting about the Bulldogs and almost writing Ole Miss every single time. <laughs> oh, that's a big big mistake down there. Yes. Yeah. No. I. I I, I, I don't usually proofread my tweets that carefully, <laughs> which is probably a problem as it is. But, uh, yeah, no, but uh, if there's something happening with Ole Miss, I'm, I'm probably probably doing it. So you just told me this is your first time in Nashville. What do you think of uh, the Broadway area, Bridgestone Arena? It's pretty fun down there, isn't it? It is. It is. Um, 
it was a little bit confusing because they're having us park at Nissan Stadium. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was, like, right next door. Nope. It is not. <laughs> um, and so they've got, like, shuttles going, like, till 1 a.m., which I very much appreciate. Uh, but it's it was just, like, a, it was a little bit confusing, like, figuring out, like, where I'm going. I was like a dog looking out the window, like, where are we? <laughs> like, right. how close are we? But the arena's great. Um, fans have been great. Basketball has been good. There's been some really cool games so far. That Vanderbilt-Florida game yesterday was pretty wild. Mm-hmm. Um, it would not end. I got there, like, right for the last, like, minute of play, and I'm so glad I did. And this is one of the first times since uh, pandemic, right? You've been courtside. What's that like? First time. I actually – I thought they were lying. I thought they were joking with me because I just figured they were just going to keep putting us mm-hmm. farther and farther back because that's how it's been. Dude, Nashville – it's, there's been no p- pandemic here for a year now. <laughs> but, yeah, no, honestly, I think the last time I sat courtside was 2020 in Wyoming. Damn. Like, back in Laramie. All right, and I should have mentioned, Wyoming Sports Writer of the Year 2020. Yes. I've got to give you props for that. Yes, thank you. How was that, winning an award like that? It was cool. It was a cool trophy. Um, I, I was a little bit worried it was going to break on the <laughs> flight back. Um, so, or like they were going to think it was a weapon cause it's sharp. <laughs> so like there were a lot of things going through my head. Luckily they gave me a box, but, um, just, you know, honored to, to be recognized. And there's a lot of really great writers there that I look up to, you know, I met Bob Ryan from the Boston oh, nice. club there. Nicole Auerbach was there, who was the national mm-hmm. writer of the year. Just a lot of, a lot of big wigs there. Uh, a lot of people I respect. So it was, it was really cool to meet them. And, and, you know, you, you read all these people, you, you, you hear about them, you see them on TV, but to actually like meet them and shake their hands and, you know, have a drink with them was, was, was pretty awesome. Nice. And, of course, your first time coming to Nashville, tell everybody uh, where you went to dinner. This is what everybody says when they come to town. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I, I went to Hattie B's. Uh, <laughs> I'm dumb and didn't go to the one that was literally .2 miles from <laughs> where I was at, at the <laughs> arena. I, I literally, I looked it up, and I was like, oh, that's right here, but, like, I don't, you know, maybe it's a walk. And I was like, oh, no, there's one closer. No. <laughs> and I was like, I want to drive through anyway. And so I, I got to the other one. Um, it was across from a Mexican restaurant. Um, I don't remember what it's called, but there's like no parking. And I was like, oh gosh, like I'm going to, I'm going to get my chicken, but I'm going to get towed. Right. <laughs> Worth it. How long was the line? It was not bad, actually. Um, I probably waited. I mean, I got right up to the register, which was nice. It was probably like half an hour, all things considered, which mm-hmm. wasn't bad. And then I drove back to, to Brentwood and I scarfed down my sandwich and record time it if you hit it at the wrong time you're talking an hour hour and a half i can imagine um so luck uh, timing's usually not my thing but i was i'm very fortunate it was this time next time though i'm just gonna walk the eight minutes or whatever it was <laughs> from the arena because that was really stupid well speaking of food i really wanted to ask you that because you know obviously it's a uh, such a thing here in the, in the south when someone's playing at old miss you know the fans go all out they go to oxford we all know the party scene down there but had you ever been down to oxford uh previous to taking this job I think the most south I had been was Texas. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, I've been I've been to Texas a couple times. I don't think I had ever gone anywhere, you know, anywhere more southern than that. And mm-hmm. uh, but when the job came up, I talked about it with my family, and they were like, "Well, yeah, you've never been there, but you have to do it." Right. And I was like, "All right, let's drive sixty right. hours." So, have you enjoyed your time there so Love far? Love it. Love yeah. it. Great people. It's it's it's. You hear about college towns, and, and you hear about how much they care about their schools and their athletics, but especially in a place like Oxford, where you can't really separate the university from the town. I mean, mm-hmm. it is, it is the, the, the town is Ole Miss. Right. Everything about the town exists because of Ole Miss, and it's just really cool. Um, you know, I imagine the year before it was really tough without tailgating and stuff, but this year you could just tell people were really excited to be back out there in the Grove, and you know, I got to check out the Grove uh, when College Game Day was there. It was my that was my first time going to the Grove. Everyone was like, "How have you never been?" I was like, "Well, sorry, I can't pregame for <laughs> for games, <laughs> but it's frowned upon." Uh, but you know, we got out there at like be six, the first, yeah, <laughs> and the last probably. I, I, I've, I've heard. Uh, you know, got out there at like six a.m. and there were a bunch of people waiting there, and uh, it, it was just really cool to see that environment. And you know, growing up in in the Los Angeles area, I'm USC grad and all that stuff. You know, Los Angeles is different because, you know, there's so many other things going on. You can go watch the Lakers lose. Right. You can go to a baseball game if there's baseball. You know, there's – there's you don't even – you can go catch a show. I mean, there's so many things going on in L.A., but, like, if you are in 
Oxford. And I think that's part of the cool thing about a lot of these SEC towns is that the college is what keeps a lot of these towns. It's the livelihood. Right. And it's I just think it's so cool that you know where everybody's going to be on a Saturday night in those towns. They're all going to be at the stadium. And to get to see that was just uh, it was pretty special. It's, you know, I grew up watching SEC games at – you know, with Fern Lundquist and Gary mm-hmm. at, at you know, I guess it was what time was it noon and my time back in California and you just see these stadiums you're like man it'd be really cool to get to go to these and then you know I found myself in Tuscaloosa this year in Auburn and it was just like wow this is it's pretty surreal yeah so I lived in California for about seven eight years and my buddies used to call this was after I went to college and they would call me on Saturday morning, wake my ass up. We'd call it breakfast with the balls because I went to Tennessee. So a lot of 9 a.m. I mean, it was brutal to get up to watch those games, but you got to do it, you know. And one of the weirdest things, I went to a Southern Cal game. You probably were a student at this time. Oregon was coming to town, and Lane Kiffin was the coach. And my buddy said, you know, let's go to the USC game. You know, I, here that means you go tailgate and you go into the game. There I found out. You go to the parking lot surrounding it, you get wasted, and then you go to another bar. You don't even walk in the stadium. And I think Lane Kiffin got waxed in that game. That was basically one of the games that did him in. I know exactly what game you're talking about. It was the game that Kenyon Barner ran for like 300 yards. Yeah, I think it was like 55 to yep. 20 or something yep. like that. And yep. that was basically the beginning and the end. But that was my introduction to, to Pac-12 fandom there where it's all about the party, to hell with the game, and uh, – yeah, so th- that was eye-opening. So I could imagine coming down here, it's complete opposite for you just seeing, like you said, just how the town and, and the city and everything just walk, revolves around the sports programs and, and the college campus. No, I mean, it's it, it's cool to see, one, people actually go to the game. Because, <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, I when I was a student, you'd have friends that were like, yeah, like, let's go tailgate. And it's like, all right, when are we going to the game? They're like, oh, we're not going to the game. I was like, well, what are we doing here? Like, this is stupid. Uh, so it, it is, uh, again, there's just, it's a different, you know, the whole joke is it means more down mm-hmm. here, but it, it really does. And, uh, gosh, I can't believe that I remember that exact USC game that you're talking about. <laughs> that was so sad. So for an uh, SEC fan, maybe that's not made the trip yet down to Oxford. Do you have a favorite bar, favorite restaurant, anything, any recommendations you can give them? You know, unfortunately I haven't been able to go out a ton, but the one that everyone always wants to go to is Ajax. It's the classic diner in town with is like the most comfort, comfort food ever. It's delicious. I went there like one of my first weeks and I was really mad because my mom came to visit me um, a couple months ago and it was the one week where they were closed. And I was like, oh. the one thing I wanted to show you, a um, lot of really cool um, bars. And I, the one everybody likes to go to is the library. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually have like, uh, like it, there's like a it's like a library card to get in. Um, I think I'm too old for that now, right? Um, and I don't <laughs> want to pay a hundred dollar cover or whatever it is. I think I'm past that point. But uh, that's a place that a lot of people like to go. Um, I'm more of like a craft beer guy at this point in my life. I'm like the California IPA guy. Yep. <laughs> so uh, you know, there's some cool. There's a place called the Growler where they get like a bunch of like taps from around the country that I like to go to. Um, good food, good people, and um, compared to where I'm from. It's very affordable, which I very much appreciate. Yep. So during your time there in Oxford, do you have a favorite, either a player or a coach that you've had uh, the opportunity to cover? Gosh, I will say, um, and they're the reason I'm here, um, Yolette McPhee-McEwen from the women's basketball team is like the funniest person on earth. Uh, she is, she is, she's a character. Uh, she's fun. She's honest. If you ask her something, then she'll give you a look, and I appreciate that. <laughs> Uh, you know, sometimes you got to be called on crap. Yep. Um, but just one of those really cool people who um, genuinely cares about her program and her players. And, um, you know, uh, for a lot of people, the, the media part of this is it's part of the job. It's it's something they don't like to do. But you know, she genuinely likes interacting with us and meeting us and just, you know, talking you know, off the record about, you know, our families and, and all that kind of stuff. And um, she's been great. Um, Mike Bianco for baseball is an interesting guy. He, I've, I've heard stories where he sometimes, you know, some people ask him something that he doesn't like, and I have not been there yet. (laughs) I was close. My first game, uh, everybody thought that he was going to, was going to yell at me, but he did not. I guess when you're winning every game by like 10 runs, you're going to, you're going to find something to pick apart. Yes. Right. Um, but, uh, he's, he's great. And again, he's one of those guys who will, if you need to talk to a player, he'll give you him as long as you need. And I appreciate that. It's, 
I don't know. For me, it's it can be hard to get those one-on-one interviews these days, and the coaches who allow you to do that are the ones that I really just I cannot thank them enough because you know when you get somebody at a podium, there's only so many things you can ask them, and, and there's certain things you can't ask them because it's inappropriate or it's not. You don't you know the rest of the room doesn't need to hear the conversation you want to have with them about a specific story or something, and so when you can get one-on-one with with coaches and players I think that's um it's a game changer and so for the most part I've I've had really good experience with that but I, I would say Coach Yo and uh and Mike Bianco have been uh their characters and I appreciate ones who aren't just robots it's it, it, it's refreshing to see personality well speaking of the baseball program so I heard you on uh Out of Bounds Bo Bounds show the great Bo Bounds and that's one thing that uh, you talked a lot about is covering the baseball team and and the beer shower and everything how wild is it because I had no idea even even growing up here, I'm not a big baseball guy, but I just seen not only the SEC but Mississippi, both programs, they love, love, love their baseball. How how big of, of a surprise was that to you to just see the, you know, the fan support and just the atmosphere down there for a baseball game? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, my last two jobs were in um, Wyoming and Boise, uh, Boise State, and they didn't have baseball programs. Boise State got one. And then it got cut because of the pandemic. They played like six games, and it was like the saddest thing ever. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I've never really covered college baseball. I think I covered one USC game in my time there. I think it was against UCLA. Uh, but, you know, it's I wasn't really sure what to expect, what the college, what college baseball atmosphere was going to be. And then, you know, I, I got there and... You know, it's like I mean, we've had some like 30. It's been like 30 degrees at some of these games. <laughs> I mean, it's been cold. And they're still doing beer showers. <laughs> like maybe it's warming them up. I don't know. Uh, I actually missed the first one of the season because I didn't know where to look. I was like typing, and they were like, "Did you see it?" And I was like, "What are you talking about?" They're like, "The beer showers." I was like, "Wait, they really do it?" <laughs> so like now, every time a ball, even like if it's like maybe going to the outfield, I stare into right field because I'm like, I'm not missing it. I refuse, never again. But no, it, it it's 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 again, it's 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 great to see the passion and um, just the people there and especially just kind of given how the last couple of years have been, I think people are just excited to be back out there and, mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, they're super excited about Ole Miss cause you know, they're number two in the country and they're scoring a boatload of runs right now. I think they've only scored, they've scored nine runs every single game at least. Uh, I think they've only played two nine inning games cause they've been run rules and, and all that stuff. They're they're I know they're really excited about this team and, the fact that uh, the arch rival just won the national championship mm-hmm. adds a little bit of fuel to that fire, and people really want this team to go to Omaha, and uh, it, they're they're super excited, and it's it's really cool to see. Uh, you know, I know we all th- you know come from California, we just assume that it's only like a ba- uh, a football thing, right. but it's every sport. Like if you go, you know, if you're at a Kentucky basketball game, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Auburn, I've heard, is like that right now. Ole Miss is a little bit different right now because their men's team has been a little bit down. But um, and then you go to some of these baseball places, Ole Miss, State, Arkansas, LSU. I mean, those are packed. Yep. And it's it's the best, man. You, 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 it does not get better than seeing a bunch of people in a stadium stand up for a strikeout or a, a deep fly ball. It's just the coolest thing especially with the fact that MLB isn't happening right now we needed mm-hmm. we need something like this though of the road trips you've been able to make in the SEC is there one that stands out to maybe you're like well I didn't realize this town was so cool or, or anything like that I I don't know if I can say this but I actually enjoyed Knoxville oh there you go yeah I, I can say it to you because I yeah <laughs> uh now I, my whole image of Knoxville is a little bit different because that was the golf ball game <laughs> that I was <laughs> yeah, at. So yeah. the whole experience was... I was in the stands. Were you? And I did not throw anything. Just so You weren't the mustard guy? I was not, no. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I was shaking my head because I understand the frustration, but Tennessee still had an opportunity to win that yes. fucking game, and they're throwing shit, and I'm like, my God, you're, you're hurting your chances to win this game. Like, yes. what are we doing here? Yeah. I could... Not that I condone it, but if it was the end of the game and it was, you know, maybe I would see that but not while the game's still being played i've i've never seen you know i stuff gets thrown on the fields but for it to just not stop <laughs> it was just continuous and like of course me like everyone in the press box were like this is gonna kill our deadline like that's all we cared about was like oh god this sucks uh so that i mean that whole thing was like i mean that was wild and lane of course bringing the golf ball with him into the press conference was just so perfect 
<laughs> but no, it, it was really cool. I, I hit up some breweries and got some good food down there. Um, I didn't realize how big Knoxville was. It's like to get from like one side to the mm-hmm. other is is a trek. Yeah. Um, and it's not like Oxford. You can kind of. It's, it's about five minutes from right. Five ten minutes. Uh, you know, like I was in one part of Knoxville and it was like thirty minutes to the stadium. I was like, dang, I didn't realize it was like it's this is like a legit, a big city. Um, a lot of cool stuff. I really enjoyed that. Auburn was pretty cool too. Um, I don't know if this counts, but like New Orleans for the Sugar Bowl was pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was my first time there uh, in New Orleans, and that was an experience. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I gained like eight pounds <laughs> in like four days, and, and I would. That's I, what New Orleans does do. I, I would do it again in a heartbeat. <laughs> well, speaking of Lane Kiffin, you've got the connection with USC. How interesting is it covering him uh, in the SEC? I mean, I mean, I gotta imagine that's that's quite a treat there it's weird man uh he was the coach at sc when i was uh the sports editor of the daily trojan um my last year was the year they were preseason number one and went seven and six (laughs) of course right (laughs) the one year i get to travel with the team um it all falls apart but uh it is it is weird like how full circle it it's come and uh he he is you know, Lane is still Lane, but he's grown up a lot. And what I mean by that is, uh, you know, I think there was a, a time maybe early in his career where he wasn't as comfortable with who he was and kind of who how people perceived him. And now you can tell he's comfortable with who he is and, and he doesn't really care how outside world kind of sees him and, and, and he's okay laughing at himself and making jokes at his expense like the – you know, there was that whole controversy uh, at Alabama when he said, get your popcorn ready. Remember mm-hmm. that whole thing? And everyone was like, that was really dumb. And, of course, they get shellacked. <laughs> and, you know, he came back Monday and he goes, yeah, I looked at Jeff Lebby and I said, I think we forgot to plug the microwave in, buddy. <laughs> I was like, that's not something he would have said a decade ago. Right. He can laugh at it now. He he can he can do those sorts of things. And I think part of that is he's been through a lot. Uh, he has he's failed. He's 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 kind of had a rebirth, and he's he's learned from all these different experiences, and um, and then you know he's he's in his forties. There's a you're, there's a big difference between forty five and thirty five, and and just in, in how you handle things and how you handle life in general. And he's 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 he really is a lot different than from what I remember him when he was at SC, and um, you know I, I mean good for him. Just on you know he could have easily shut it down or you know when when the whole sc thing when you got left on the tarmac like that whole mm-hmm. thing and um you know that could have been the end um for for him and, and for a lot of coaches i think it would have absolutely been. and he he was humbled and he he went to the Saban school of, of rehabilitation mm-hmm. and he rebuilt himself and he did it the hard way and, and so um he, he, a lot of respect for that and just how he's he's grown up you know is he perfect no uh he'll he'll still sometimes put his foot in his mouth but that's I always tell my parents, like, there's never a dull moment. Like, there's always a storyline, and I appreciate that. It's, mm-hmm. it's There's always something to write about. Uh, but he, he has grown a lot since uh, since uh, since uh, since our times at USC. It's, the SC connections are always funny because Matt Corral was a USC commit mm-hmm. back in the day. I remember him when he decommitted, and I was really mad. <laughs> uh, so it's like everything just – it was like, oh, my gosh, like, how is this all how, – how am I how am I in Oxford with Lane Kiffin and Matt Corral? Makes no sense. And the connections go a step further because now you got Jackson Dart. Now, that's not someone that I've studied, but I know you've written about him. You've covered him. What can you tell us about Jackson Dart and, and the shoes he's filling in with the replacing Matt Corral? Yeah, so it's it, it's unfair, I think, to put any expectations on a kid of Matt Corral, especially, like, he's going to wear number two, I think, too. Like, that does not help your case, right? right? <laughs> um, but, man, Jackson Dart, that if you look at – the perfect sort of Lane Kiffin quarterback in their RPOs. And, you know, in a perfect world, he wants his quarterbacks to be moving around. He wants them to be able to, to pull it down. And of course, he wants the big arm, the deep throws, and things like that. Jackson Dart is so perfect for that sort of offense. And, um, you know, I know he's young. He's 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 a he's a young sophomore. I think, like, he's still 18, if, if his dad told me, which is crazy mm-hmm. to think about. Uh, but you look at what college football is right now, and I I think it's it's a home run. I I, you know, I don't think it's fair to say he's going to put up you know 
top 10 Heisman numbers, and that's, you know, who knows how that goes. But uh, I think that offense is going to be really good with him. And, uh, you know, I've had a lot of people ask me, like, well, well, what do you think? Like, were you mad? I was like, listen, you, I'm mad at USC about a lot of things. <laughs> Never going to blame a kid for doing what he thinks is in his best interest. And just knowing how that situation was, uh, you know, he needed to get out of there with the Caleb Williams, mm-hmm. that whole thing kind of looming over there. And, I'll, I'll, you know, in the end, SC did get him. But uh, Dart, I mean, you look at his high school numbers, man. I mean, he was the national player of the year. Uh, ran for 1,200 yards through f- 67 touchdowns I mean the kid was unreal and uh you know he he kind of had a weird timeshare situation at SC this past year where you know Keaton Slovis got hurt and then they both he tore his meniscus I think it was um and SC was just kind of a mess in general Mm -hmm. but when he played man he he did not look overwhelmed by it and for a freshman to to have that poise when the whole program's kind of falling apart I think says a lot and and just this situation that he's coming into at Ole Miss with one, yeah, I know Levy being gone, some people are worried about that, but as long as Lane Kiffin said the offense is going to be just fine, um, they got playmakers, and I think they have the infrastructure in place where this thing is sustainable now. You know, are they going to win 10 games every year? Probably not. That has not happened historically a ton right. at Ole Miss. But Never they, happened until this year. They, in the yeah, this season. is the first 10-win regular season. I mean, this was a really special year. But I think the expectation when you get – the sorts of players that they've got in the transfer portal and and, and the recruiting that's kind of happened, I, I think they expect to be competitive and, and be that 8-9, maybe 10-win program every year. And I mean, really, what more can you ask for? I mean, if you're not Alabama or Georgia or Florida, it's, it's a pretty good place to be. Right, and that's interesting because that was the next thing I wanted to ask you about. You know, they've been doing so well in the transfer portal. Yeah, they got Trigg, the tight end, Zach Evans, running back, so many players and players that contributed last season, of course. Is that a sustainable model? And what's interesting is most people think it's not, but really there's there's no – this has never happened before with the transfer portal. So, you know, I think people look at it and they say, well, Alabama, they get – you know, they cherry-pick the two or three guys. This is helping Alabama. But I look across the SEC, I see Kentucky having a historic season, thanks in large part to the transfer portal, Ole Miss. Tennessee got their quarterback, the transfer portal. I think it's helping the teams that are not killing it in high school recruiting because Georgia and Alabama and now A&M, they're getting whoever the hell they want. Now these teams that are not getting those players, they're being being able to cherry pick essentially the transfer portal to close that gap. Uh, so I don't know. What do you think? You think Lane Kiffin can make that a sustainable model? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's kind of the question is, does how this year went with the transfer portal change the legislation? But again, you know, I know some coaches have said, we can't keep doing this and blah, 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 blah. But like you said, if you are not one of the top five recruiting programs in the country, this is how you level the playing field. It's the transfer portal because now you can get the five-star kids. Mm-hmm. You can get those high four-stars that you couldn't get coming out of high school, but situations change. And, um, you know, Jackson Dart was not a kid that would have gone to Ole Miss originally. Zach Evans right. was, you know, he's a top 20 player coming out of of, uh, of high school. And, right. uh, you know, I remember his whole thing with Georgia <laughs> and all mm-hmm. that stuff. But, you know, that that kid can play. And same same thing with Trigg. And, but even, like, you, know, you look at, uh, you know, with Ole Miss this year, Chance Campbell, their, their linebacker, was, was he a huge guy? No. But he's the reason that defense – he's a big reason that defense was so much better this year. And he was a transfer from Maryland. And – they got another guy this year, Troy Brown from uh, from Central Michigan, who's going to step in and and do those sorts of things. And and you know, if, if you aren't able to do the A and M and the Bama and the Georgia thing, man, the transfer portal is a, a pretty dang good option. And you know, I I I don't know if it's sustainable in the sense that you know, uh, one of the big conversations is. You know, there's so many kids out there who haven't found schools. Mm-hmm. The, the homeless, you know, there's you know, right. there's there's more kids that go in than end up coming out, right? And the NIL is a, is a new, that's a new wrinkle too. And uh, I I think there has to be some things worked out uh, just in terms of the recruiting calendar. I know, you know some coaches have said there has to be a time when the transfer portal like closes, like it can't be a, a year round thing because mm-hmm. otherwise you're going to lose kids in September or, you know, right, it's right. You're, it's going to be impossible to kind of get your rosters right. 
And I, I, I can see that, you know, if there's recruiting periods, there can be, you know, transfer portal periods or whatever. I still think that needs to be worked out. But I think we've kind of opened the gates now where, I mean, I think a lot of coaches really, really like this. And this mm-hmm. is how they are going to have to build their programs. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I mean, you look at Ole Miss, who, you know, they had a, a, an okay recruiting class. and But they knew that they were going to kill in the transfer portal. And they absolutely killed it in the transfer portal. And because of that, they're looking like a top 25 team again after losing one of the best quarterbacks in school history. Your two starting receivers, your All-American defensive end, all of these things that helped you have this historic season. You're feeling pretty good about what's coming back, and that's because of the transfer portal. I, I I think that we're at a point where I don't think you can ever completely turn back because, man, there's there's going to be a lot of coaches who say, hey, no, this is this is really, really good for us, and it levels the playing field, and some of those top-level schools might not like it because it closes the gap, <laughs> yeah. you know? But, and you if know, you can't play at Alabama, guess what? Lane Kiffin will welcome you to Oxford in a heartbeat. 100%. Hundred percent, and so I I think that's you know look at you know look at Jameson Williams who mm-hmm. was stuck at Ohio State because they had all these receivers and he becomes you know if he hadn't torn his ACL he'd probably be a top ten pick this year because right. he got to show out at Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, you know it's all about situations and 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 things like that and uh, yeah I I I, th- I think it's here to stay and I think Ole Miss is really just a perfect example of of how of how you can win recruiting battles without ever happen to do the high school thing you know obviously you need to get high school kids in there but uh man it's if you can fill in the gaps with proven guys who are high caliber who have played and are really really talented why wouldn't you go after them over the unknown 18 year old and i think that trend is just going to continue when texas and oklahoma join the sec some people look at it like well how in the world's old miss mississippi state going to compete i think even now that they lose recruiting battles sometimes to tcu to you know Iowa teams like that I don't think that'll ever happen again because they're going to want to play in the SEC over the rest of the college football sucks for teams like USC but it's going to be the SEC is already up here it's going to take them to another level that's that's just my take on that what what can you ask final thing I wanted to ask you about Ole Miss what'd you make of this uh Chris Kiffin situation now it's not unique you know we're starting to see this now where well, even Auburn had a coordinator that came in and got a couple weeks of recruiting and said, you know, I like that NFL lifestyle. So is that more what happened with Chris Kiffin, you think, or what's the deal there? Yeah, the first thing that came to mind when that deal happened was, one, oh, my God, really? And two was, you know, that Grandpa Simpson gif where he walks in and puts his hat on the rack and then walks back out. I was like, that's that's what it was. I don't think he ever really – I think he might have gotten officially announced, maybe. But, like, it was – I mean, it was so fast. But, you know, obviously when anything happens with Lane – people are going to say things right because he's a dynamic character and it's his brother and you know he's he has a history with Ole Miss as some mm-hmm. as a lot of people know some of it's really good and some of it not so good with the show clause and all that stuff um but I, I the the feeling that I've gotten it's kind of like what you said we're recruiting everything has just changed so much in college football since he was last doing college football mm-hmm. that you know, man, it, uh, you know, recruiting's always been a big deal. and But I think NIL and, and the portal and just all of these different things have sort of changed the way that people do their jobs. And, man, if, if you can go back to your NFL job where you only have, like, one thing to do, man, I'd do that. Right. You know, and, and I understand that, you know, people were upset because he was going to be the co-defensive coordinator, and he is a great recruiter. And people were really excited for that, but... You know, if you look at it from his perspective of, you know, if you're not all in and the other place is going to take you back, you do that in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. So who's going to be calling the defense, you think? Is it going to be Partridge? It's in Partridge, and they just hired uh, Maurice Crum Jr. Um, from Western Kentucky mm-hmm. um, to be there. It's going to be a co-thing uh, again. Uh, Maurice Crum, I remember him as the Notre Dame linebacker. Like that's Okay, yeah, I knew it, that name was familiar. Yes, it always comes back to my USC. I'm always haunted. <laughs> by ghosts of <laughs> losses past. Um, but he's he's thought of as one of the really, like, good young, um, you know, minds in college football. And that's kind of what you've seen Lane kind of put together. You know, we had Levy, and now he's got Charlie Weiss Jr. Everybody obviously knows Charlie Weiss. Mm-hmm. Charlie Weiss Jr.'s done some really nice things uh, in, in his time, too. And, you know, Partridge and Durkin were amazing last year. Uh, I don't think Partridge necessarily gets enough credit for, for what he did. And Durkin, I think a lot of people kind of just – Thought it was him, but Partridge did 
uh, a lot of that stuff too. And I think him and, and Maurice Crom Jr. is, is going to be, you know, to, to, to put the expectation that they're going to, you know, improve by two touchdowns again. It's probably unrealistic, but they got some nice players, and, and I think they're, they're pretty happy with that pairing. Last thing I wanted to ask you, I got to get you out of here on a USC question because are you on just cloud nine right now with uh, Lincoln and Caleb and all these incoming – I mean, the hype for the Trojans is, is real once again. I'm on cloud six <laughs> because I know how this ends. I've been hurt before. I'm not, I'm not going to let this happen. I – you know, when they got Lincoln Riley, one, that was like the craziest 24-hour thing because it was like LSU, LSU, yep. LSU. And then I woke up that Sunday morning and I started seeing Feldman tweeting about it. I was like, no way. There's no way Lincoln Riley's coming to USC. And then like within five hours, he was the head coach at USC. And I was like, what the hell just happened? Uh, you know, then getting Caleb and I mean, that's, listen, I mean, he <laughs> he's really good. He can, he can play. Uh, you know, I, I still have, a lot of qu- I mean, I I'm an idiot. I watched every USC game last year. They were very bad. <laughs> a quarterback doesn't mask everything. And, um, you know, their defense uh, it needed a lot of work. I still think they got to get better up front. And I think that's been the biggest thing uh, under SC is they've fallen down a lot on on the lines. You know, the skill players have always been pretty good mm-hmm. at SC, but it's it's really when USC was at its best you know, 15 years ago. It's because they had dominant line play, and they just have not had that in a while. And so I think that's going to be a big thing. Uh, I know a lot of people are like, SC in the playoff? I'm like, let's just have SC win the Pac-12 South first, please. You get a chuckle when you hear, I don't know if you've seen it, Oklahoma fans are like, we upgraded with Brent Venables. I'm like, he might be a hell of a defensive coordinator, but I don't think he's won a game as a head coach yet. It's got got big, like, jilted (laughs) ex-lover. Well, we didn't like him anyway. It's so great. We're better off without him. No, and, like, I I thought the Venables hire, like, given the circumstances, was really good. I think it could be great. And, you know, hiring Levy. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I I think there's a chance it works out great. And I know, like, the amount of salt (laughs) that Oklahoma fans had uh, for when Lincoln Riley uh, did his thing. And then they were like, oh, well, he's been – they thought it was like an inside job because he was like recruiting California players just so he could take them. And I was like, it's not that deep, guys. Like, he got a job he wanted and they gave him a lot of money. It's really right. not that complicated. And he took the players that he wanted to have. And, uh, you know, Oklahoma was <laughs> recruiting California really, really well. And it's nice that, you know, SC can finally win California again. But, uh, yeah, no, it's uh, uh, the, the, the salt, the salt from Oklahoma fans was. I mean, it, it was enough to try out Lincoln Riley's brisket. Remember that picture of brisket? <laughs> brutal. It was a brutal it was picture. That, it was that dry. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I will not be inviting Lincoln Riley to any barbecues. But, uh, you know, if, if if he can help SC get into the New York Six, I'll be happy. It's going to take a bit, though. Well, I can't thank you enough. Michael Katz, DJ Journal, first time in-studio guest. Uh, and give him a follow, Michael L. Katz, right? Yep. yep. With a K and a Z. All right, so just want to say thanks again to Michael for joining me. I hope everybody really appreciated uh, that. We had new equipment and everything, uh, so uh, I think it turned out great. And, you know, it's inspired me, like I said, to do more and more of these in-person interviews. But uh, if you're not following Michael already, give him a follow at Michael L. Katz on Twitter. I know he'd certainly appreciate it. He does an outstanding job covering the Ole Miss Rebels down there for the DJ Journal. So, Man, hey, what a way to start off the show this week. We're going to try to keep coming back at you. Now that we got spring football, we got no excuse other than to turn out content for you guys. Hopefully we get Cousin Shane back on the next episode and look for some more guest interviews to come out this week. But, uh, hey, that's going to do it for this episode of the show. I appreciate each and every one of you. And as always, if you made it this far, don't forget to give us that five-star written review on the apple podcast app and now on spotify you ain't got to if you don't have an apple product you can give it to us on spotify and hell you can double up too if you got an app you can give us one on apple and on spotify we're happy to give you a beer koozie free of charge just for doing that just send those on over to that sec podcast at gmail.com but that's going to do it for the show catch you on the next one